Hi, this is Shelly Schmitz from Art for My Table, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. I'd love to take a moment to tell you about Clarity. Clarity is a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. Clarity gives you unparalleled insights into the ways that your content can be stronger and more valuable for your readers. Not only does it help you optimize your extensive library of blog content so you can increase your traffic, SEO ranking, and revenue, it also allows you to validate your updates with a direct integration to Google Analytics. Some bloggers are tracking this information manually with multiple spreadsheets and countless hours spent uncovering the data they need in Google Analytics. Clarity automatically syncs all of your data for you saving you hours upon hours of admin tasks. All of your post information appears in Clarity. Everything is done directly from your Clarity dashboard, and you can be confident in the fact that you're getting the most up-to-date insights to the health of your content. If you are interested in checking out Clarity, head to clarity.com forward slash eatblogtalk. Clarity is spelled C-L-A-R-I-T-I dot com forward slash eatblogtalk to sign up for the waitlist and take advantage of their $25 a month forever plan. Go to clarity.com forward slash eatblogtalk or check out the resources page on eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in your business. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 278. Today, Shelly is going to talk to us about how to use your photography skills to multiply your income. Shelly has been a food blogger for 12 years at Art From My Table. Since blogging is a marathon, not a sprint, she's learned to supplement her blog income in other ways. As a result of sharing her skills with others, Shelly's been able to launch a photography business as a result of having her blog. Shelly believes in working smarter, not harder. Amen to that, Shelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Uh, before we get into that, though, to photography, we want to hear what your fun fact is today. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here. My fun fact, when I was growing up, I, I was about elementary school, um, I was in gymnastics, and my coach actually wanted me to train for the Olympics. Did I, you? I did not. Oh, no. Um, I know. Doesn't that sound horrible. But I guess I, I mean, I loved going and I was into it. But honestly, I just didn't want to work that hard. I didn't, I wasn't very sportsy. I'm still not. And I just really didn't have that much awareness, I think, of the Olympics. And so my parents, you know, were like, that's fine. We're not going to push her, which having children now, I totally get that you nurture, you know, there's, there's balance there. Um, but I think it's kind of ironic because I would consider myself now a pretty motivated person, pretty ambitious. And when I look back at, wow, why did I not do that? It looks like I wasn't very ambitious. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not a terrible thing, right? I think there's definitely good things that can come from doing things like that as a kid, but there are also some harmful sides of it. So maybe your conscience or like intuition just knew to protect you from something. I don't know. I have to believe that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do believe I'm right where I'm supposed to be. But but very cool nonetheless to be that good that somebody was urging you to 
you know, try out for the Olympics. That's awesome. So cool. So you have kids. Do they do gymnastics? They do not. (laughs) Ah. No, I have my oldest as a boy and he is really into film production and wants to go into media communications. He's a junior in high school. Um, He's currently trying to start a little business editing food videos, no less. He's done many of mine. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. And he is also starting his own podcast, which I'm sure you can appreciate. (laughs) Oh my gosh, little entrepreneur there. So he's, and he's a runner. He's not really into the competitive sports. And I have two of my girls are into volleyball. One's in, into basketball. And my youngest is 10 and she's not in any sports yet. Oh, well, that's fun. I love that. Love starting off on a personal note like that. It just, yeah, it gives me a little insight into your world. So thank you for sharing all of that, Shelly. You're welcome. So we are here to learn from you today because you took your photography skills and you learned how to increase your revenue by tapping into them. So we want to hear your story. How did you first figure out that this was an option and that it was something that would be um, worthwhile and all of that? Yes. Well, actually, I I first got interested in photography. Just a little backstory, because when I was having children, I wanted to save a few dollars on their portraits. <laughs> so I started to learn how to use a camera. Um, but fast forward to when I was blogging, I feel like back in that day, in the day, 10, 12 years ago, people would not really outsource that much. And it was not really a thing to have someone else's photo or to hire that out. Um, that's changed a lot. But I have had a love and a passion for photography. Once I started getting more into food and it just kind of married together. I don't quite know how to explain it, but I kept practicing and just invested time in learning it. Um, I was in a mentoring relationship with another blogger that was a lot larger than I was. Um, I was guest posting in exchange for mentorship on her blog. And one day she said, Hey, can you develop some recipes for me and then photograph them? You don't have to write anything. I just want the pictures in the recipe. And she wanted it in a certain, um, like it was diet specific. And I was like, wait, what? You'll pay me to do this. And I don't have to write anything because the writing is not my favorite part. (laughs) And so I was like, wow, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So that's, that's kind of what started it. And from there, you know, that just grew. But that I did that for a while, um, probably for about a year or two with her without having any other clients per se. So I feel like it started out, you know, kind of slow, but it was a great supplement to my, you know, to what my blog was doing. I love how it just kind of fell in your lap and you weren't even really looking for it. And it was like a little miracle given to you like, oh, this is an option. I actually love taking pictures. Of course I will do this. Yes, it was. And that doesn't happen for a lot of us. That's really unique and I love it. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I was almost like, hmm, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think now the opportunity is there for photography outside of our blogs. But you're right. Ten years ago, that was not an option. That was not a thing. 
people just didn't know about that avenue. Well, blogging hadn't really evolved enough yet, but now it is. So talk to us about that. Like, How can people start branching out in this way if they are interested, if this sounds really intriguing? So one of the things that I found to be the most profitable for me are Facebook groups. And I found that kind of ironic because my like my blog traffic, I don't get a lot of traffic from Facebook, a little bit. I know some people do really well with it. You know, we kind of have all our, our own avenues. So I don't like love it <laughs> for that, but I do love it for the different opportunities. And there's a lot of groups out that out there that will hire VAs. And part of that VA is photography. And so people are actually, you know, looking to hire someone. I think especially, you know, we talk about how much blogging has evolved and SEO, right? It's like the big hot thing. And so many people have had audits with Casey and we talk about revamping our old content or updating it. And I know a lot of people that they don't have time to take the pictures for that. So they'll hire somebody to recreate it. Other people will hire you to actually develop the recipe and take the photos. Um, and face, you know, word of mouth is is one area that I've gotten clients. And then another is from Facebook groups where people will put out there, hey, I'm looking for this or I'm looking for that. Um, and then there's other groups where you can actually, you have your recipe all developed and photographed and you can actually sell it uh, in that group. And I've been quite profitable in that group as well. Can you share which groups those are? Or is that like a super secret? I think it's okay to share. Um, I mean, because we're talking to bloggers, right? Like, I sometimes I'm curious, like, what, how would a blogger feel if they knew, like, if their readers knew that they didn't take that picture? But I think that's more common now. So one of them is... VA for Hire, that's what it is. VA for Hire, content for bloggers. There is another one called Elite VA, buy, sell, exclusive content and services. That one, you have to be approved to be a seller, I believe, in that one. So people come to that group to both promote their products and to purchase products, but they have a little bit more of a system. And then the other one is called Food Only. This one is for food bloggers. Food Only, buy and sell content. Yeah, so check those out if you're listening and this piques your interest. And then you asked this a little bit earlier, Shelly. Do you feel like our readers care? And, and what do you think? I feel like no. I don't think our readers care whether or not we're taking the pictures. I do think maybe in the past they did because it was much more of a relationship back then. Like they came to our blogs consistently, not social media. They came to our blogs, they left comments. They felt like we were providing all of the information and the value, like just us, one person. But now I feel like it's so different. What do you think? I would agree with you. I I do think most people that, you know, when it, when it all started, we're looking for community and they were finding community in the blogs. And I think it so much of it was personal. You were sharing more stories within your content than just maybe expertise on how to do the recipe. And I think there are still those people now. And I think people that kind of became a part of those communities back then 
are probably still a part of those communities now. But I would say the vast majority, they're probably not even, that's not even crossing their mind. (laughs) But I know as somebody who feels proud of my photography or passionate about my about my photography because I, I enjoy it so much. I know that I would I would have never well and I don't hire mine out because that's what I do. But it would have been like, oh, is that like what will somebody think if it's not my picture? Or I don't know. I don't even know why I would think that now, kind of just contemplating that. But does that make sense? So I yeah. would agree with you. I think they don't care and more than that, they probably aren't even thinking about it. Absolutely. We think about it because we are the content creators, but our audience probably is like, oh, sure. That sounds good to me. They they should get their pictures taken somewhere else if they want to. So where did you... Okay, you started out with just that initial blogger. You were taking photos for, I think it was her, right? It wasn't him, her. Yeah. yeah, And, yeah. <laughs> and then where did it go from there? How did it evolve and how busy... Did you get like, did you get busy really quickly or how did that all work out? So from there, they're actually, because I think this was becoming a little bit more popular or accepted, whatever. Um, from there, I saw somebody in a group, not even one of the groups I mentioned, you know, one of those big ones and somebody was looking, you know, they had put it out there and looking to hire a photographer and she had a meal planning business. and. So I responded to that and I got a job with her and I worked with her for a couple of years. And what I loved about working for her was it was the finished result. (laughs) So it was much less time consuming, um, but it was a lot of content and, but it was still, so I did that for a couple of years and I really enjoyed it, but I kind of got to the place where I did, I wasn't having room for my own stuff anymore. And, you know, you have to just balance that out and see what's going to happen. So I ended up raising my prices and she ended up going, you know, that would, that didn't work for her, which is fine. Like there's no hard feelings or anything. So like, I understood that she, she understood that. And so I stopped doing it there, but I still had picked up other clients. Another thing that happened out of result from that was I was hired to do the photography for a cookbook. And that kind of came as a, what I would call a divine appointment. I was at a local event, like a business, I think it was business boutique or something like that. It was like a business thing. And a couple of local bloggers were there and I started talking to one of them and oh, how's the blog going? You know how you do. You kind of check in with each other and see what's going on. And I was like, yeah, I've kind of been spending a lot of time doing photography, you know, blah, blah, blah. The moment passed. That was that. And a few months later, she reached out to me and she said, hey, we are looking for, we are looking to hire a photographer to shoot a cookbook. And so I had to, you know, I had to pitch it and I had to put in for it and promote myself and I guess pitch it is maybe the right (laughs) terminology there. And I ended up getting that job. So that was, it is. And so I, it's just, it's kind of exciting. It's like, wow. I, so I don't funny as a food blogger, a lot of us food bloggers have our own cookbooks and I do have a couple E cookbooks, but they are, they're not ones that I sell. They're ones that I share with my readers. 
but to actually have a physical print, you know, with my, my photography, it's kind of exciting. So that also monopolized a lot of time. So I had a year where I pretty much ignored my blog. The good news is it didn't die. It probably didn't grow, but it still had some passive income coming in, which was great. Um, but going from there, yeah, you have to kind of decide, okay, where am I going to spend my time? Like we can't just do it all, but it was a great way to supplement. And I feel like it's fast money. If I dare say that, like, you know, I can go out, create a recipe, photograph it and sell it. And so whatever that takes a day (laughs) or, you know, or however quick you are, depending on what you do. Fast money. I love that you said that because with ads, everything is delayed. I mean, you create the content that you've researched and you put it up, but then you don't know if it's going to get traction for six months. And then once it gets traction, you know, when are the ads going to pay out? Like there's so much waiting involved when you're relying on ad revenue. So I love that you said that. This can be a really great way to get money into your hands right now if that's what you want. And I know a lot of food bloggers want that. Yeah. And it's great just to be able to supplement or if there's something that you're saving for or you want to push yourself. I mean, I was just in, in my mastermind meeting today and, you know, we were talking about our goal for 2022 and, you know, when we're talking about financial goals, it's like, okay, this, if this is my goal, but how am I going to get there? Am I going to fully rely on my ad income? Like that would be awesome. But realistically, we know that it's unpredictable and everyone right now is, I'm seeing a lot of, um, a lot of people talking about how RPMs just dropped significantly from Q4 now down into Q1 and we know that's going to happen. It happens all the time. For me, I don't, Q4 is not what, like, I'm kind of the odd man out. It's not like my biggest traffic of the year because I don't have a lot of sweets and baked goods on my site. I do have some, but I have more healthy than not healthy. So my page views right now are the same or better than they were in Q4, but because RPMs are have dropped significantly. My revenue is not the same. So if there are certain things that you, certain goals you have, maybe you're saving for a vacation, maybe it's a car, maybe it's a house, whatever, you know, I think it's a great way to just supplement because it doesn't take that much time. I can say, all right, where am I going to carve out a day and shoot a few recipes and then go out and sell them and make a quick buck or whatever. I just wanted to point one thing out. Another thing that you said about how a handful of things have just kind of fallen into your lap. So the photography to begin with fell into your lap and then the cookbook situation fell into your lap. And I love that because you were putting your good energy, your hard work out there with photography. You loved it. You said that you had a passion for it. And you, I believe, were rewarded for doing that in a, I don't know, genuine way. So I think that is one of the themes of this episode. Hey, food bloggers, just taking a really quick second here to tell you about the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program. We have closed out the first group. It is in full swing and there's pure awesomeness inside. So many great connections are being made. Growth has been accelerated for so many bloggers who are in the program in many different ways. 
We will be opening up a second group in the spring of 2022. So if you would like to join the waitlist, please go to eblogtalk.com to get on the waitlist. More information coming soon, but I want to get those of you who are really interested in this program on that waitlist so that you can be the first ones to get in this next group. All right, back to the episode. And you know what? I love that you pointed that out because honestly, I don't, I kind of forgot about that, right? Like how it all started. But I'm probably, I would probably tell other people, things don't just fall in my lap. I probably would say that, you know, it just, it's perspective, right? And so it, I think that's great that you said that. It's a great reminder to me that, oh, yes. And yeah, that's why another good reason to talk to peers about this sort of thing, like talk to, talk through your journey because other people have unique perspectives and certainly different from your own. So we can point things out like that, whereas you get in your just day-to-day living and you know a rut of believing things in a certain way and hearing it differently, I think is really beneficial because then we can take a minute to look back and pause and just say, oh my gosh, that was a theme. So then you can carry that forward, expecting good things to fall in your lap. Okay. So you mentioned this a couple times as well. Working smarter, not harder. I love that you raised your prices and, you know, it's too bad that that person couldn't follow you along with you, but I'm sure they understood. But sometimes we just have to do that. And I think that is one of the ways that we can work smarter and not harder. So talk to us about that. Like how, what are some other ways to do that? I really like batching my work where I will take, so for me and, you know, everybody's different, but I feel like this helps me to work smarter and not harder when I take a day and that is my photography day. I feel like I can be more focused and I can get things done more efficiently, if that makes sense. So I'll choose the recipes that I'm going to photograph and do that all in one day. And and then another day I might do all of the editing or writing, you know, recipe development. So I tend to kind of group like things together to work smarter rather than harder. I love that. I'm such a proponent for batching. If you listen to this podcast, you know that even if it's painful, and sometimes it is because it's not always easy to dedicate an entire day to doing one thing. Yesterday was my writing day and I got so much writing done. And at the end of the day, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I felt like I was going to die. I was like, this is so not fun anymore. I need to be done, but I pushed myself and now I don't have to write for two weeks. So it's oh, worth it awesome. to just... I know. Yeah. Yes. To just do it, like even if it sucks and it does sometimes, yes. but just to push yourself a little bit anyway. Yes. Another thing that I do to work smarter rather than harder when it comes to this piece of my photography business is I can create what's called semi exclusive content. And for anyone that's not familiar with that, oftentimes in this, will create a recipe that more than one person is going to use. Usually not more than six people, but many times it's three to four. And so everyone will use the same recipe and they utilize the same process shots. Um, but the hero images or those final beauty shots are 
all different. So one thing that I'll do is if there's something that I want to create for my blog, I might think, oh, now, how many ways could I shoot this to make it, you know, to create it into a semi-exclusive piece of content? And so then that way, I can keep one for myself, and then I can sell the others. And so now I've got the fast money, but I'm also um, doing something, you know, I'm also adding content to my own blog, which is going to serve a purpose as well. Oh, I love that. How smart. You're doing double duty. You're killing two birds with one stone, but thinking through it on the front end so that you can do that. Yes. And I'm a, yeah, I'm a big believer in like planning out the content. So like for my photography workflow, and that has helped so much to just, before I do anything, I'm already thinking about each of those, you know, okay, well, for one, I could show it on a plate with this linen and this in the background, another one, I could just show it on a platter or in the casserole dish or, you know, like how many different ways can I, you know, can I make it look? And I had people comment too. I think it was, I think it was a meatballs. I think it was a meatballs um, recipe that I did that I created as semi-exclusive content. And so I showed it on top of spaghetti. I showed it like barbecued it with, in the crock pot. You know, there's all these different ways. So it looks very different on the front end. That is brilliant. I'm My wheels are turning right now thinking about, you know, <laughs> different ways that we can all do that. Like if you're, I don't know, making lemon bars or something, take advantage of the lemons, like take pictures of the lemons or uh, lemon juice because so many recipes have like lemon juice or zest yes. or things like that. There's so many ways that you can work smarter in that way when it comes to photography. Yes. And th- that's such a great point to repurpose. Um, you know, I know that there's a couple recipes I have where I blanch green beans. Well, why do I need to shoot that over and over? I don't. I can just utilize that if I, you know, if I feel like I need to show that. So Yeah, I've been lazy lately. I've been trying to batch a ton of content. And one of the things I've been doing, which actually was because I'm feeling lazy, but it actually is working a little bit smarter. I just go into my media library. And one of the things I did well from the beginning was name my images appropriately. I'm so glad I did that because now I can just type in like spaghetti sauce and all of my spaghetti sauce images pop up and I was looking for a just like a bowl or colander filled with cooked spaghetti noodles because I needed it for another post I was doing. Thankfully, I had that in there and it was properly named, so I just used that, but th- that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. I love it. And and as far as naming images, maybe we could cover that too. How do you name your images? Do you have a system for that? I do have a system for that. And I think Everyone needs to, like, I think there's so many different ways to do it. For me personally, I like to name my images by the recipe title. If Because if I need to reference back to it, and I I don't keep any of my images on my um, computer's hard drive. They are all on an external. So if I ever would need to export it again or something happened and I need to go back and fish for it, I will, that would be my default to call it what it is or to call it what recipe it went with. Um, and I do have a system for, you know, I, I might name it. So when I import them into my editing, I use Lightroom. So when I edit, 
when I import into Lightroom, I will just name everything like meatballs, oven baked meatballs or whatever. But as I'm exporting those images then to upload them to my blog, they have a little bit more specific of a name. Yeah, this, I mean, whatever your process is, I do think it's worthwhile to think through it and not just name it like the random numbers that pop up on your camera, you know, because it really does pay off to have them, to have a name that actually makes sense for the file. Um, I had someone really early on when I was just starting out with photography teach me this and I am so grateful and at at the time I remember being slightly annoyed like who does he think he is telling me how to name my files but thank god I did that I feel like I've saved myself myself so much time by doing that and did he tell you to name them according to what they were yeah so he told me to I'm just gonna pull up so I say it right so he told me to name them With the name, like the title of the recipe, or not like, you know, if it's a long title, just kind of capture it. So not like spaghetti sauce with fresh tomatoes, but, you know, kind of um, condense it down a little bit. So I do that. But then on the front end of the title, I put the date in four characters. And then after the title is a series of numbers. So it's like, 649, 650. So it's like the date underscore. Do I do an underscore? I think I do. And then title underscore and then the numbers. Because then if I have like um, spaghetti sauce that I create in the future, I don't want to over, I don't want to take any chances of overwriting any files. So it will always have a unique date, if that makes sense. Yes, that does make sense. And I know somebody that he would, and he's not a food photographer, but he, his advice was like, always name everything by the date. And that just overwhelmed me because I was like, but I'm not, I am not going to know where to look. If I have to find that chicken recipe, I, knowing myself, I'll be like, was that 2019 or 2018? (laughs) So I like that you have the date in there to differentiate between, because we do have things that overlap. But when he was like, just do it by the date, I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm going to need a little more. <laughs> but, you know, that's what works. That's what works for him. That's great. Yeah, for me, that would not that would not make sense. But yeah, if it works for him again, like find something that works for you that's going to help you manage your image as well. And this was kind of a tangent, but I think it's really useful and helpful because we take so many pictures of food. So if you're not um, naming appropriately, you can start to figure out what that would be for you. Are there other ways to work smarter and not harder when it comes to taking photos and kind of diving into that side of the business? So I think that workflow is really important. And that's something that when I'm doing my photography, I have just a whole rhythm that I follow. And I did mention that a little bit earlier about planning out what shots I was going to take when I was, if I was creating like semi-exclusive content. But even if I'm not, I'm always planning and preparing what that is going to look like. I think most of us have a template or at least a rhythm that we follow like in our blog post. So for me, I have, I always have an, I start out with a hero shot and then I have an ingredient shot and then I have a collage 
And then I have another hero shot and that's about it. And sometimes I have two collages if it's a recipe that has more steps. But before I ever begin shooting, I'm already planning those out. And I found that to help me be a lot more productive and get through my photo shoots much quicker because I used to not really sit there and plan it. I would just make the recipe and I would photograph every step. And and I'm I'm very passionate about my food and my photography. So I'll be like, oh, oh, those ingredients look so pretty like that and that mixed up. So I'm going to take a picture and then I'll mix it. And then, well, I better have a picture of it mixed. So I'll take a picture of it mixed <laughs> and maybe I should do a pour shot. So, okay. So I'll show myself pouring this. So you can get a little bit bogged down. And while I appreciate the beauty in those separated ingredients or something that's super styled, and I still do, I love beautiful styled photos, but the people that are coming to my blog, they want to see a great picture. Yes, I think they appreciate the beauty in the picture, but they may not appreciate the details as much. They want to see what's it supposed to look like? Am I on track? Am I doing the right thing? So I will lay that out. I'll read through my recipe and I'll write down my shot. I'm going to take a picture of the ingredients and I'm going to take a picture, you know, so what's going to be the fourth steps in my collage? I'll plan that out ahead of time and say, okay, this is going to be step one, step two, step three, step four. So then I have my four pictures planned out and I will usually, um, if, you know, if there's any other part of the process that would be important to show, I'll make sure I capture that. And then I will take a horizontal picture. I will take the vertical pictures and I'll take, well, I, I actually in post, I make sure I have a square. So, but just to be thinking of those things ahead of time, what do I want my pen to look like? Do I need some space in there to write something or is it just going to overlay? So all of those things I know beforehand, and then that helps me zip right through the, the photo shoot much more effectively. And I, I work much faster that way. I have never heard someone say this before. I think this is gold. Holy cow. <laughs> I love this. Really? Yeah. I mean, it seems so natural to me. Well, I think through, I mean, I kind of think through and I'm like super minimalist when it comes to taking photos these days. I didn't used to be just because I have so much to do. I'll be like, okay, I am literally going to take 10 or fewer photos and one of those has to be fine. But as far as actually thinking through which photos to take, I've never done that. And I'm sitting here wondering why I haven't done that. But how smart. I love this. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Oh, good. I think you should try it. It can feel, if you're not used to it, just like anything, it can feel a little like it's not flowing that well. But once you get into the habit of it, I, I mean, my productivity is so much better a little time invested up front is probably well worth the effort. Yes. Yes. And another thing I thought of a little bit earlier in our conversation, we were talking about working smarter versus harder. And you had mentioned that I raised my prices. So this was kind of, this is kind of fun. I learned this when I'm a licensed cosmetologist. And when I like way, way, way back was doing hair, this was one of the things that I learned about building my business because if you got so you know booked that you couldn't take any more clients, you would raise your prices because not all of your clients can maybe afford that or would choose to afford that. So you might lose a few, 
but you also are, then you're not, you know, maybe on your feet is for many hours or you can cut down your hours a little bit and still make money. So that's something that I think has just sort of been in my back pocket all those years that I didn't really think about, but I just kind of know going forward, okay, well, when I, when I have room for no one else, then maybe it's time to up the prices. Maybe, I mean, we all should be thinking about our raising our income, right? I mean, my hairdresser raises their prices every year. So I think that holds true to when you're, when you have client work too. And I'm sure other professions, VAs, you know, it's just part of what the world is today. It's almost like a sign, seeing it as a sign that it's time when you're at that point where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so overloaded. I'm not working smart. I'm working way too hard. That's almost like your nudge from God or whoever (laughs) to like, okay, it's time. It's you. I'm giving you permission to raise your prices. I love that. That's such a great perspective. Oh my gosh, this has been so packed with good nuggets. I feel like you're just an incredible, smart businesswoman, Shelly. And thank you for sharing all of this with us and encouraging food bloggers to dig into food photography as kind of a side gig. I think that this will encourage a lot of them actually to pursue it or at least, you know, check it out, consider it. Um, are there any final takeaways before we start saying goodbye? Hmm, we've covered a lot. And thank you so much for your compliments and your kind words to me. I appreciate that so much. Oh, well, yes, it was, I mean, this was truly great. And I just appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining me in the episode. It was been it has been such a pleasure to talk to you and learn from you. So thanks for being here, Shelley. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers? I do. So my favorite quote is from the Bible, from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now, this is inspirational to me for a lot of reasons, but I tend to be an overthinker. And that can get me going in a not a good path. (laughs) And so there's been times where I've thought, oh, how come, you know, how come it's not like that for me? Or why can't, you know, I start asking why and trying to figure things out instead of, so that would be me leaning on my own understanding instead of in just trusting in God that I'm where I'm supposed to be and seeking him for the wisdom that I might be looking for. Um, I'm totally guilty of like, oh, that, you know, that person, they've only had their blog for six months and they have 5 million pages a month and it's not (laughs) fair. And, you know, I mean, dare not to compare. So that is, that is one of my takeaways, just dare not to compare because the comparison trap, as we all know, is not a good place to be. And it will land you in one of two places and neither of them are good. You're either going to feel defeated and terrible and be in a negative thinking pattern or the opposite. You'll be like, well, uh, prideful, right? Like, well, at least I don't do that. So the comparison trap, as everybody knows, is not a place, a good place to go. But I find that with my overthinking and then I want to figure out why and I want to say like, oh, well, 
you know, they probably don't have four kids. Like they're probably single and can work 85 hours a day, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or a week, a week. No one can work that many in a day. If you're working 85 hours a day, let me know. (laughs) You have 85 hours in your day. Awesome. Yes, I want that. So, um, but you know, and so this just helps me to stay on track and look to God for wisdom. I mean, it's what I believe and it has helped me stay on track. And it's, it's been a a favorite verse of mine really for all of my life. And it has applied in so many different ways. Oh, I could not think of a better way to end this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. I absolutely love it. So we will put together a show notes page for you, Shelly. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash art from my table. Tell everyone where they can find you online, on social media, all of that good stuff. My blog is artfrommytable.com. And if anyone, I have a contact page, I have a work with me page. So if anyone is listening and thinking, oh, you know, I'd like to know more about that they can find me either there or just email me Shelly at artfrommytable.com. And I'm more than happy to answer questions or whatever somebody might need. All, my social media is pretty much all of it is at art from my table, Pinterest, Facebook, um, Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> I'm like, what's the other one? I'm missing one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the never ending list that you talk through, right? Like LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. I don't know. I need to jump yeah, on the bandwagon. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Everybody go check out Shelly's accounts. And that's such a generous offer for you to give to eBlog Talk listeners to just reach out to you if they need help getting going with their food photography. So thank you for doing that. And thanks again for being here, Shelly. Thank you guys, food bloggers, for listening. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.